Good afternoon, Roadie Nation. Marshall Mark is back for another week here on WRIU. We're back with another special guest. Obviously, as most of you know, here at the University of Rhode Island, we have Family Weekend coming up tomorrow as URI football takes on Bryant in a yearly anticipated matchup. It's a matchup everybody knows and loves, emotionally charged contest, always a lot of touchdowns. So I knew I had to get a good guest for this week. And who better to bring in with Parents Weekend, Family Weekend coming up tomorrow than the quarterback of the Rhode Island Rams, Kasim Hill. Kasim, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. This is one that I've been looking forward to speaking with you for a long time. I mean, you've got a great story. Just even just to start it off, I mean, coming back, year seven in yeah. college football. It's a feat that you don't see very often. I mean, with the transfer portal and all the new eligibility waivers, you're starting to see longer college careers. But, I mean, seven years, just what was sort of the thought process like this summer when you were trying to get that waiver? You know, when we started with the waiver process, first it started with me going and talking to my family, of course, just trying to figure out what the you know best next steps will be. Then going and talking to Coach Murph and Coach Flem and, a lot of help from Casey Light. Shout out to Casey. She's the GOAT, and I hope she hears that. But, you know, it's just a long process of thinking through all the different sides and stuff, but obviously I wanted to come back and just waiting around for that yes that it was through was a lot of stress, but definitely a happy moment when it came. That's that's fantastic. I mean, just like what were some of the thoughts going through your head when you were thinking about you wanted to come back? I mean, obviously last year you were so close making the FCS national tournament. So obviously there's that idea of like the job's not finished, like that sort of mentality. But you saw a number of guys enter the transfer portal, a number of guys graduate. I mean, like Ed Lee, one of your best friends, one of your top receivers, he ended up graduating. So <clears throat> you're looking at a roster coming in with a lot of question marks. you got a coaching staff with a bunch of new coaches coming in with question marks. I mean, just like... As you're entering the summer, just what were some of your thoughts in terms of like, all right, this is going to make me want to stay versus this is what's going to make me want to make the jump to possibly go to the NFL? I think just the relationships that, you know, I did form with the people here in the community. You know, when I transferred here in 2020, it was, you know, a lot of unknowns. I didn't, and, you know, COVID played a part in that, but, you know, just didn't really know the area as well as I do now. Didn't know the people as well as I do, but, you know, this is home to me home away from home 16 hours from home but everybody here makes it like a family and you know that was the biggest reason why I wanted to come back can't let the core group go without getting the job done yeah and I mean just like when it was announced that you were coming back the URI community was just so excited because obviously everyone got a taste of football success here last year because over the past few years the URI football team has just not been successful. It's just been one of those programs, one of those New England programs that's just like, yeah, it's a school that has a football team, but it's not been one that's been particularly memorable. But since Coach Fleming took over and in the years post-COVID, the team has been steadily trending upwards. And it's been fantastic to see. And then you're obviously one of the main reasons for that. And, I mean, just the amount of records that you could be possibly chasing down this year, the amount of records that you already have. So many different things can are going into like what caused people to be excited about this year. And that's something that we will touch on soon enough because there's so many different things to talk about. But, but like I said, seventh year college senior, 
You've been here for four years. Mm-hmm. So, but before that, you were a graduate of St. John's College in Washington, D.C. A number of you of URI athletes have come out of there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you take like yourself, you take Ed Lee, mm-hmm. graduated last year, prospective NFL draftee, got signed by the Patriots, and you take Ish Leggett. Just mm-hmm. transferred over to Pitt. Another guy from St. John's College. David Cox was the men's basketball mm-hmm. coach. Another guy from St. John's College. Yeah. I mean, just like kind of thinking about that. Obviously, you or I wasn't the destination mm-hmm. you were thinking about coming out of col- um, coming out of DC. But when you when you think about it now, it's pretty interesting to see yeah. so many people <laughs> from St. John's end up at URI. Yeah, it's like a little mini pipeline. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I'm just coming out of high school. You're a four star recruit. You're looking to try and make your name for yourself in Division One football, and you end up landing on Maryland. I mean, mm-hmm. just like, what was that process like, really trying to, you know, go through the college recruiting process? You know, when I got to think back, that was a while ago. Uh, when I first decided on Maryland, it was primarily because it was close to home. You know, it was, I think, 25 minutes from my apartment to my front doorstep. And I have a really special relationship with my sister and my parents, so I wanted to be close to home. I couldn't think about not even being as close as uh, or as far as I am now from home. But that was the main reason. And then, you know, a bunch of my friends were going there, like our whole little uh, conference, the WCAC, a bunch of us were going there. And it was like, we're like, okay, we'll turn this into a little conference all-star team up in Maryland. But, yeah, those are the main two reasons. (laughs) <laughs> That's really cool. I mean, Maryland is another team where it's like, it seems that there are some years where it's one of the best programs on the East Coast, but then there's a, a few years where it sort of sputters out. I mean, your freshman year, you play a few games, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the year, you decide to transfer. Correct me if I'm wrong, that was the year when there was a lot of like coaching turmoil, turmoil. a bunch yep. of the coaching staff left. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's pretty much a, a clear-cut case as to probably why you would yeah. want to transfer. The guys that came in, they ended up leaving. Uh just kind of needed a fresh start with everything, you know, two injuries and then the situation with, you know, one of my teammates just need a fresh start on a yeah, new and, place. And, and that's, I, I, like I said like earlier, like the transfer portal obviously becoming prevalent now. It mm-hmm. was still around back then. So, like, obviously it provides athletes like you to kind of get that fresh start in yep. a sense. And so when you entered the portal, because it's, it seems like the portal has evolved a lot mm-hmm. since then. And it seems like la- during that time, it wasn't as easy necessarily or mm-hmm. like as clear cut to be able to jump ship to another program. So, I mean, like when you were hopping in that portal that first time, kind of what was that like? Was there like a lot of nerves? Like, oh, am I going to be able to join another program sort of like Maryland? Yeah, it was a little nerve wracking just because of the unknown. Um, but yeah, going through that process, just again, sitting down with my family, trying to figure out like, just like we did with the high school recruiting process, just figure out what's best for me. You know, what are the things that are most important to me and finally made a decision to go to Tennessee. Um, good coaching staff that, you know, cared about the players and, you know, it was another step on helping me along my journey. So happy with that decision. And so then you make you go to Tennessee, you um, go there after Maryland, and you're a part of the scout team. Mm-hmm. Was your involvement at Tennessee was that like what you were expecting? Like were you going into a situation that had a strong quarterback room mm-hmm. and you were trying to fight your way in? Just sort of what was the situation that you were expecting versus what you ended up in? So during that season, um, 
So the previous season, I had torn my ACL for the second time, opposite knee, but, you know, the second time. So the talks that I had with Tennessee was that I was going to – and you had to sit out a year back then yeah. when you transferred. So sitting out, um, going to run the scout team and get reps in practice with the offense uh, here and there throughout the season. So that's pretty much what I did. That's what I expected. Um, just show what I could do. against. You get to go against the first-team defense every single week. And, you know, that was a defense I think I had five or six NFL guys on it right now. So, you know, that was a positive of it. Yeah, and, and, an impressive test for someone that's really still trying to make your name for yourself. And then, obviously, like, it sort of sputtered out at Tennessee, mm-hmm. and you decide to hop in the portal again. But at this point, you're now a second-time transfer. The options... Were they more limited now that like because it's it's something that you don't really hear from yeah. like an outside perspective when you're looking at how like the transfer portal works in terms of like all right you've hopped in once you've got somewhat pick of pick of the bunch but then when you hop in again you kind of get less of a look mm-hmm. some people become more skeptical I mean like what was that like for you honestly when I went in the well the second time was kind of because of COVID and a whole bunch of stuff was going on when I went in the portal. uh me and Ed were real close throughout high school. Like that's one of my best friends. So when I went in the second time, I pretty much texted him and was like, "You want to play together again?" Like, and that's pretty much just what it came down to. I wasn't really worried about anything else. I was like, "I'm gonna go play with Ed for a couple of years and, and see what happens." So when you decide to come to URI, URI was in the midst of probably one of the worst eras of football for them. There were a couple one-win seasons, a couple winless seasons and you kind of look at that it's an fcs program so obviously you're talking the level of competition that's below fbs it's still competitive but there's obviously a vast difference mm-hmm. when you're going into a program like that obviously you've got ed you've got the camaraderie you got the friendship like there's going to be a sense of enjoyment there but is there a sense of like I, I guess anxiety knowing that you're joining a program that's kind of been down on its luck and you don't really know how it's going to improve, or if it's going to, ref- or if it's going to positively re- reflect the type of player that you are. Uh, honestly, I wasn't really thinking about it. Uh, I feel like I have a lot of confidence um, in myself and in, in the coaches when I was being recruited, and just hearing about the team. Uh, maybe it's cockiness. I don't really know, but I just felt like we we're going to find a way, no matter what it took. And I feel like we've been doing that over the past few years got to do a little bit more yeah exactly yeah. and like what we were talking about before the show coach fleming once he took once he took over the reins it he's been steadily improving this squad and then he's been adding pieces in here and there and then you were one of those pieces and the squad's been steadily improving i mean like your first year five of ten for passes for 26 yards and one touchdown against delaware you rushed for 25 yards against albany and you made your Rhode Island debut against Villanova. Those are your real career highlights from your redshirt junior, your first mm-hmm. season. So it's you're making baby steps getting in there. And then the next year, you're given the reins. That's when you start. 2021, it was my freshman year. Mm-hmm. That was the first season where it was really your sort of show. You were entrusted with the reins of that team. The squad was really starting to come together. And it showed on the field. I mean, just sort of walk me through just how that initial feeling was when the coaching staff maybe they sat you down and explained the plan to you or just like how that start to the season was in 2021 knowing that all right 
I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. This is my team now. I'm able to take charge. Yeah, I just think coming off of that spring season, um, there was just a lot of confidence from the team because we went 2-1 and one, uh, that spring. Um, beat, I think both teams were ranked that we beat, too. And we lost to a Delaware team that went to the semifinals in the playoffs. So I just feel like there was a lot of confidence coming off of that. Um, same group of guys back. Get a couple people back that were hurt in that spring. And, you know, I just feel like the coaching staff, you know, entrusting all of us and, you know, just put the ball in our hands and let us go be us. I mean, that's the best part about our staff. Like, they have a lot of faith in us as players, as people, and they just let you go be you. And obviously that trust was well-founded. 2,100 passing yards. You had 18 touchdowns. You rushed for 256 yards. And, I mean, just going through all the trials and tribulations of getting hurt, then having to hop in the portal, then hopping in the portal again, there's a lot that can, like, weigh on players. Like, you see it across all sports. Like, there's a big mental aspect, like a big mental gap that you really need to jump in order to stay competitive. And once you kind of found your feet, in 2021 just how how difficult was it to sort of just in a sense keep the confidence that mm-hmm. you had because you seem like a very confident guy you're a confident guy you played exceptionally well in high school obviously four-star recruit all of that there was meaning behind all of that mm-hmm. but going into maryland and then having to go to tennessee then dropping down to fcs or uri how are you able to sort of keep your mental toughness in check amidst switching so many schools you know it was definitely a battle um Definitely a battle that I went through, and I know, you know, just a lot of mental challenges dealing with being a student athlete and then dealing with the adversity that you go through on a yearly or weekly basis. Um, But I just feel like I had to prove it back to myself, whether that was with hard work or whatever I did on the field. I just was going to prove it back to myself, and that took the pressure of, like, everybody else's expectations away from it and just gave myself something to go do rather than something to focus on. And... When you sort of talk about like you don't you want to like just sort of remove yourself in that sense and kind of keep yourself grounded, there's always the outside noise that you have to deal with, especially with a program that's starting to become successful because the fans start to get really into it and everything like that. In terms of like dealing with the outside noise from this regard, because like I said, URI football wasn't very successful over the past couple of decades. Like it was a program that was inconsistent at mm-hmm. best. And as a guy coming in, really taking off, you start to see yourself climb into football record books, especially here at like at URI, obviously. You start to see yourself becoming like writing your name in a bunch of different categories amongst guys who are some of the greatest athletes to have ever played here. So when people mention that sort of stuff to you and they talk about like, oh, you're one of the best quarterbacks the school's ever seen and stuff like that, how do you still keep yourself separate? in a way because like you're allowed to relish in it mm-hmm. but you want to also keep yourself grounded so how do you separate yourself from that yeah i mean it's always you know an accomplishment to you know see yourself in a record book um and an honor to you know be mentioned with those guys that are already there um but i always say you gotta keep the main thing the main thing and the main thing is winning football games and you know I'd rather throw for one yard and win the game than throw for 500 and lose. So whatever it takes to go out there and do my job and execute and to win games, that's I'm perfectly fine doing it. But I think that's the you know biggest thing for me. 
and for everybody. Just keeping what your main goal is the main goal. And so then coming off of 2021, it was evident that this squad was poised to take a significant leap because mm-hmm. everyone was to, everyone was starting to realize that Rhode Island has a competent team for the first time in a very long time. And making the FCS playoffs was attainable. And that was basically the goal. I mean, like it's speaking to so many different players from that 2022 squad, that was that was the goal end of like it was to make the playoffs. It was to finally break the duct. So kind of coming off of 2021, knowing the expectations that were in play, what was just like that summer like, like though just leading up into 2022, you like you had a number of guys coming in, like you had Katero Summers coming in, you had a number of receivers and running backs like Marcus DeShields came in. What was what were the feelings and like what were just sort of the vibes leading into that season? I think the vibes were pretty high. Uh was that last summer. Um I think everybody just had a good attitude and a good feeling about the year going into it. And, you know, that summer we worked really hard with Coach Leach and with each other in our own free time. But, I mean, it was a really close-knit group. You know, we had guys that have been here for a while, a lot of six-year guys, um, and just guys where they gave everything to this program. So I felt like going into last year, everybody did have the same mission. Like, we wanted to at least make the playoffs. And, you know, the vibes were very high throughout the season. And having transfers come in at such critical positions, having people come in at wide receiver, having people come in at running back, positions that are so integral to the offense, there's always questions of, like, how quickly is the chemistry going to go? Like, how quickly are these players going to understand each other in terms of how they play the game? Was it sort of a quick combination? Like, once you guys all started to get a couple reps in practice, like, was it just sort of like an easy mesh? Yeah, I think all the personalities that we had clicked well, too. So, like... You know, you got a guy like Katero who's a big, like, he jokes around a lot. And then, you know, Marcus DeShields feeds off of that. And then, you know, Ed's over there doing whatever. And then, you know, everybody just meshed really well, which I think led to, you know, how we played on offense. Um, You know, we were just out there having fun pretty much. And, you know, I feel like it showed. And so then you had talked about there were a lot of six-year guys. There were definitely some guys who have been there, been at the university for longer than you. Mm -hmm. But... You were still elected as a team captain. And just given your college career history, what was that feeling like knowing that, all right, I now have a home. Like this is, I've officially made it to this point where like I'm completely respected and admired by a bunch of my teammates. I'm entrusted, but entrusted by them. What was just that feeling like when you had been named one of the team captains? That was one of the best feelings throughout my time here. Uh, Like you said, it just felt like I had the whole trust to everybody. And that was one of my goals going into last year. And you know, it just meant a lot, especially with everything that I went on. I wasn't somebody that had been there forever. Um, but, yeah, it meant a lot to me. And so then going into the season, like I said, the expectations were high. But you take them all away from the fans. Players and coaches have their own set of expectations. Mm-hmm. They're way more specific. They're way more goal-oriented. It's goals that you set before preseason camp starts that you work and build up towards. I mean, you talk about you. You were named one of the national performers of the year in the midseason watch list during the middle of the year. But that was just some of the stuff that coaches were almost going to expect from you, mm-hmm. considering what was going on last year and just the talent that you had. But when you talk about from a player perspective, what were just some of the goals and just what was the mission of that team? Like, obviously, 
making the FCS playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like that there's got to be sometimes more than that to an extent. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember, we always have a pyramid going into the season, at least as a you know as a unit as offense, about what our six goals are for the year. Um, I remember last year's instead of this year's. <laughs> I know one of them on there is average thirty plus points, but it's usually stuff about just like effort, um, playing for the guy next to you, uh, things like that. You know, just making sure that you protect the name on the front and then let the name on the back do what he does. And I mean, you, you guys were able to do it. You were averaged thirty point six points a game during the, during that season. It was the third highest scoring offense in the CAA. I mean. What do you credit being able to average that many points? I mean, like, obviously, there's the connections between you and your receivers that go beyond football. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, the trust you have in your offensive line to hold the pocket for you and to create space for someone like the Shields to really rush. I mean, there's so many gears that come into having an offense like that. I mean, just like, what are some of the factors that really allow for an offense to flourish like it did? Always. Shout out to the O linemen, all the O linemen out there. Can't do anything with the bad O line. And, you know, I think throughout my time here, um, there's always been a great O line and just makes everything easier. It's something you never have to worry about. Um, but aside from like personnel, I think, you know, as I was saying before, everybody's personality just meshed well. Like when you really care about the people that you're playing with, you'll go that extra step. You'll go those three more feet that we always talk about. And I think that, you know, last year really embodied that. This year, too, but last year really embodied it. And so, obviously, you on a personal level were able to be exceptionally successful. A career-high 2,500 passing yards, 19 touchdowns with only seven interceptions. And you rushed for 272 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. (laughs) It's funny watching your game because it's clear that you're a poised pocket passer. And you really take advantage of, obviously, that that trust in the O-line to allow you to hold the pocket and really take the time to figure out who's making the right route. But you're mobile when you need to. And it, it, it was on full display last year. Has being like a mobile sort of pocket passer, like a fusion quarterback of like that, has that always been a part of your game? Or is that something that you've sort of developed as you've learned how the college game goes? I think it's something I've always had in my game. Maybe I I was probably a little bit wilder when I was younger, like not sliding and trying to run people over and show them I'm not soft. But you know, I, I feel like it's always been a part of it. Um, when the defense wants to try to take every, you know away everything else, it's hard to prepare for a quarterback that uses his legs. So, yeah. And I mean, last season you play Bryant. Bryant, like that was, it's always the family weekend game. Yeah. It's always, that's, that's usually one of the most emotionally charged games yeah. that you can play as a Rhode Island Ram. Mead Stadium is packed, and this is pre renovation and everything. Like, Mead <laughs> Stadium is packed, and Bryant, Bryant comes and you just curb stomp them. Like, realistically, that's just, that's what happened. When you're playing in an atmosphere like that, even though it's FCS, but you have a school that has been so deprived of true football and true competitiveness in football. To provide fans with a win like that, what's that feeling like? You know, it feels good. You know, any win feels good, but especially when you do it against, you know, an in-state rival. You know, we're playing for the state against them and Brown every single year. Um, and then when the ruckus gets going, 
you can just feel the energy and feel the energy and just build off of it. You know, it really feels like it's the whole stadium against the other sideline, which is the best part. It's a great feeling. And so then the Brown game as well. The Brown game was the Governor's Cup. That's an interesting little. That's an interesting little trophy because every state seems to have their own version of yeah. the Governor's Cup, and it's fascinating to see the smaller states do it because you really you overlook states like. Rhode Island, you overlook states like Delaware, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. like all the smaller schools that are competing for that sort of thing. But it's a very competitive game. And I mean, you look at this, this is one of your best games of the year. 30, um, 331 total yards of offense, passed for two touchdowns, you rushed for another 78 yards. I mean, is when you're going into a game like that, whether it's the Brown game, whether it's the Bryant game, when it's an in-state rival, or you're, it's just a game that obviously carries a lot of emotion from the fan base, mm-hmm. Is there a different feeling ahead of those types of matchups, or do you still try to look at it at least as just like, all right, it's just another, it's just another game, it's just another non-conference game? I try to look at it as just another non-conference game, but you know, we're playing for the state. We're the only school playing for you know the cup and for the types to call it, the rights to call it our state that has Rhode Island in the name. So we want to make sure that it stays the right way and stays with URI. And it's it's. A, a game that really brings like a lot of emotion yeah. out of the fans. And I mean, like you said, it's a game for Rhode Island. It matters more. Because at the end of the day, like people will probably sometimes forget about the Governor's Cup and stuff like that. But in the moment, in the moment, it's an exhilarating thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you got you got to imagine just like you're ho- you're hoisting that cup. I mean, that picture is iconic. I think I think Connor called him. Connor the one got, who got it. Yeah. He got that. Yeah. He got the one with everyone hoisting the cup. I mean, just got You got to feel like, yeah, you won. You won. You beat an in-state rival. But just having that cup, that's got to add a little bit more to it, doesn't yeah. it? Oh no, it definitely does. Especially yeah, we take the cup, so it's definitely a big plus. <laughs> that's that's so awesome. And so. That's a pivot and more of like a more of an upsetting one, but it's like you go from you have a game like that against Brown, mm-hmm. but then you've also got games during the season like that against Pitt, yeah, where you're brought up against really serious yeah. FBS opponents. And I mean, you're a guy that's had experience playing in FCS. You know uh, FBS. You know the competition difference. But I mean, you just put up a valiant effort against Pitt. It was a solid game. Yeah. So I mean. Like you said, you try to keep every game sort of like, all right, it's just another game, it's just another non-conference game, play it the same way. But, I mean, for you having the co- having the experience that you have, do you look at it, or at least from like a tactical standpoint, do you look at it differently? Like playing against somebody like Pitt? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I felt like I looked at it differently going into that just because uh, of the experience of playing in some you know, stadiums and atmospheres like that. But it was still like I've never played at Pitt before, so that was cool. Um, but yeah, you try and keep it as normal as possible. Try and keep well, me personally, I try and keep my routine pretty much the same every single week. But sometimes it's hard not to recognize what's what's going on. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, being able to play in a stadium like that is really cool. And I remember watching it on ESPN. It was it was a surprise. It was on like national television because yeah. Pitt, where I think twenty. Fourth that week, yeah. yeah. So you're talking a nationally ranked program <laughs> taking on URI, and you guys gave them a game. It yeah. was like uh, 42-24 or something, yeah, like, something that. like that. It was it was they a had cl- the punt return touchdown. Yeah, they scored with the minute left. 
And it was like it, it was a big it was a big game from the pit defense. Obviously, it was an uphill battle for you guys to really take them on. But you go into pit, no one expecting you to win. I I honestly believe that ESPN had pit as like ninety eight percent favorites to win that <laughs> game. So when you go in with odds like that in the face of great uh, great adversity, and you come out with like a reasonable result you gotta you, you gotta at least take some solace in the fact that yeah you lost but yeah. you still came away with something yeah it, I think it, we took it, that away yeah yeah exactly yeah. i mean that's why i was gonna ask like it, when you take when you go in for results like that knowing that it's difficult and if you lose like still disappointing but do you still take a lot of positives away from games like that knowing that it could have been worse yeah you definitely take away you know the good things that happened with the game, then realized like, hey, left a couple of things out there that maybe if those things happen, be even closer game or who knows what would happen. But yeah, definitely take the good things away from it. There's a clip from that game that I've see circulating a lot, and I wanna I wanna get your opinion on it. The onside kick at the end of the game oh, yeah. from that from from the kicker just obviously you're not on defense so you weren't like on the field for what was going on there but i mean just like when you when you saw them like yeah. when you saw that guy go for the onside kick what was just what was your thought when you saw that i was like what are they doing i didn't know it. and then i saw i know coach Powell from pitt the uh their special teams coach he used to be at maryland for a little bit so i saw him start yelling at him i thought it was hilarious it it was really funny i mean i saw the clip roll up on twitter recently because it's like it always makes you laugh that i go to rhode island yeah. and that's a clip that will live in in college football <laughs> yeah. infamy and it's he he did it just because he wanted to yeah, like, he there was no like he, he felt like doing it I, there was something about I don't, I don't know if there was something about like a defensive call from like the previous drive that he was unhappy about he's like all right screw these guys like we're, <laughs> i'm, I'm doing this <laughs> i mean i mean hey that was some pat mcafee-esque hey. type stuff you got to give him credit. yeah i respect it hey yeah ga- game is game yeah. exactly but i mean still you, you take the positives from a loss like that, and then you move on to bigger and better things. But one result that it's difficult to take the positives from, Hampshire. Yeah. That that was probably, well, no, not probably. It was the most pivotal game of the year. Yep. I feel like many would say that that would be the game that decided who was making the playoffs. Yep. And, I mean, I want to just talk about, talk about that game because it's a cold Winter game. Yeah, that was a... it, it's just <laughs> not not fun. Yeah. And but the stakes are exceptionally high. Just now as you get later into the season, knowing that all right, there's a chance to really make history, mm-hmm. what's kind of the feeling when you're going into a game like that against like a serious conference rival? Makes it more fun. I mean, you know, everything's on the line. You got two teams who want the same thing and Whoever wins gets what they want. So, I mean, that just makes it more fun to me. There's a lot more on the line. Stakes are higher. And so you had the exhilarating finish against Mammoth, which was fantastic. (laughs) But you go in to New Hampshire. You play a great game, 222 passing yards. You got two touchdowns. You rushed for 43 yards. And and I think you scored. So you had a great game. But then that final drive... It all starts to unravel slowly. I mean, just like watching from the sidelines, like what were you feeling during that last drive as New Hampshire just continuously just kept pushing and pushing and pushing? What were what were you feeling? I was nervous, but you know, I had full faith that we were gonna get a stop. 
like i mean we did get a stop but we know yeah but um you know i just have full faith that we we're gonna find a way to get it done and then if it did so happen that we didn't get it done then how much time is left what do we need to do what do we have where we have to get like us preparing for that side of it too but yeah just stressful not being able to control what you want to control want to control yeah that's one of the worst things is being an athlete especially when you when you're playing a game where it's not everybody on the field at the same time you're standing there you're like come on boys like you got it you got to get this you need to do it for us and i mean for fans that don't remember this which is impossible i it would be surprised if you didn't remember this new hampshire basically walked it off with a last with a last minute touchdown that was ruled as a catch but Upon review, there were a number of photographers that were standing behind the end zone that were recording the catch, and you can tell that the receiver, I don't remember his name, did not have control of the ball. DJ Lincolns. DJ Lincolns. St. John's guy. Oh. Yeah, yeah, not not a favorite St. John's, but St. John's guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's, um, that definitely doesn't help. Yeah, no, but it's, it's not at all. But he, um, he did not have control of the ball, and... For some reason, it it wasn't reviewable. Did they did they have like the so capability to review there? The camera. What we were told was that the camera in the back of the end zone that was facing right at where he caught it was out, like not working. It got messed up during the game and just wasn't working. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a that's a wild that's a wild sort of just. You feel like that you kind of feel hard done after you get the excuse yeah. like that, right? It was tough, yeah. Yeah, and, and like obviously like the next couple of days everyone's coming back, you're all hearing about it. Like you got the photographers coming back being like, Look, look at this, look <laughs> yeah. at this. Yeah, you got the Patrick Beverly meme guy taking the camera showing <laughs> showing the official, look, you didn't catch it. But um no, everyone watching that on TV saw the same thing. And you, you, you feel for you guys because that's completely out of your control. That's like a beyond a football issue. Like yeah. There's nothing you can do about that. And I mean, it's that's more on the officiating, more on the crew and whatever. Like, obviously, you you, you should have plans in place to, you know, in the event, something like that happens to the camera. But at the same time, you lose. There's not much else you can do. And you kind of just have to hope and pray. You yeah. go up against Albany. Strong game against Albany. And then that's it. That's it's it's all in the 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 uh, committee's hands at that point. And you look at it. You look at the FCS playoffs. And for people that don't really follow the FCS that much, the outside of roadie fans, the FCS playoffs are a fascinating way it works because the college football playoffs it's four teams, four teams. Four teams the, committee picks them and that's all filled with its own controversies and questions and so on. But the FCS playoffs is. 12 teams correct it's a 12 24 it's a 24 team bracket mm-hmm. now is it always been like that or yeah because eight p eight the first c to eight get a um by the first week yeah the other 16 play and then oh wow i feel yeah. I, I feel i feel unprepared i, I should have <laughs> known that that's that's okay the, that obviously to just explain that to fcs fans 24 team bracket and you get a wide variety of of teams from across the country competing in this. The games are spectacular, but you would think that in that manner, Rhode Island would have been, would have had a shot top near the top in the CAA, strong wins, strong performances against FBS teams. But then the committee comes back. The committee decides not to let you guys in. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you guys were obviously all together watching the selection show and stuff like that. What were what were the feelings when that decision came in? A lot of 
anger, a lot of sadness, um, a lot of confusion, disappointment, obviously. But, I mean, we felt like we had put enough to get the job done, and they didn't pick us. Um, that was the second year in a row having that feeling. So, yeah, that sucked, especially with a lot of the guys that had helped bring, uh, bring the program up from 2017, guys like Henry Yannikopoulos and Jake Fire and Malik Gavick and Ed and a lot of guys that had been there for a while. Um, you know, it sucked. So, tough day. Yeah, a, a, tough, a day. tough day. I mean, once that decision comes in, I mean, how quickly do you go from, like, all right, we're playing football to it's the off season? Like, is it, like, a quick turnaround, or is there just sort of, like, a – a debrief sort of period where you guys are still kind of working out together, still taking it all in. Cause I mean, like in, in at that point when you're, when you're close, like, do you start, like, was there at any point where you guys were expecting or hopefully optimistic that you guys are going to get in? Yeah. After we beat Albany and who was, I think Villanova beat Delaware that day. Yeah, they did. They did yeah. beat Delaware. We were pretty, we were feeling pretty good. Like we thought, cause that put us over Delaware and the CA. I think we finished third or fourth in the CA rankings, I think fourth. But we had beat Elon, too, who finished third. So we were feeling good. And then, yeah, next day was rough. Yeah, and so then once that day passes, I mean, how like like I said, how quickly is it Yeah, you go from, like, all right, this is the football season to season's over? Like, is there just, like, you guys go clean out the locker room? Like, is there, like, is there like a time where they give you to sort of debrief from everything, yeah. or is it just quick? They give you that, so... I think that next week we had time, next week, two weeks, we had time to go in talk to the coaches. We had a team meeting at some point. I don't remember where in that week, in the first week, probably Monday or Tuesday. Had a team meeting, you know, said bye to all the seniors. And, yeah, we kind of, if you were hurt or banged up, you didn't really lift as much, but you had times to go lift. But we kind of just, uh, like, Throw a little temper tantrums and sulked a little bit all together. You that must have been a weird feeling for you, considering like you were one of those seniors. Yeah. You were one of the guys that everyone expected that for the most part, his career in college is done. He's mm-hmm. he's he's given his time. He's moving on to better things. Were was your thought on returning? Did you have that during that time? Like, or were were you thinking about it, or were players aware that you were thinking about it? Yeah, it was. Everybody was aware that I was thinking about it, and I told everybody I would tell them by my birthday, which is in December. So, like, I probably took a week and a half off for thinking about it just because I didn't want to deal with it. And then I had to talk to the parents, and then the coaches then finally came to the decision. But, yeah, very weird time. And so, like, what was your exit interview like? Because, I mean, like, I imagine that Fleming and, like, the OCs, like, they all have, like, an idea about what they want to talk about for Mm -hmm. the guys that are graduating. Because there's, like, not a script per se, but, like, you talk about the same sort of stuff because you don't really know what words to say. But for you, with the speculation of, like, is he going to go? Is he going to stay? Like, what was that exit interview like? (laughs) It was, like, (laughs) honestly, it was kind of funny to me because, like, we talked about the season a little bit, but then obviously neither one of us knew what was about to happen next. So it was just like, you know how like you just have those awkward standoffs sometimes. It just kind of felt like that, and we both just started laughing. And then I told him I'll figure it out over the next couple of weeks, and obviously I'll be talking back and forth with them. But yeah, it wasn't very long. Yeah, and then I mean, over the spring sort of session, 
you start to see the program changing. Mm -hmm. Coaches leave, coaches come in. Players leave, players come in. Like There were a number of guys that... It it was a fascinating time to be a roadie football fan because there were a number of guys that were hopping in the portal. You didn't know where they they were going to go. I mean, like Johnny Cornelius, we were talking about him before, uh, now a stud at Oregon, an absolute stud, will be be on NFL draft boards next year. 100%. 100%. Absolute stud. Antonio Carter was another guy that was sought after in the transfer portal. I feel like he was was a guy that was like, sort of flew under the radar a bit. All all the news was talking about AJ. Everyone was talking about one of the most sought after FCS transfers in the country, whatever. But... Antonio is a guy that he really held his own, and he had some serious offers. Yeah. I mean, now he's in Notre Dame. He had offers from, uh, it was Wisconsin, Ole Miss, Miss, West Virginia. Like, Mm -hmm. there were some serious programs that were looking at him. So, I mean, there was a lot of talent that was on this program that needed to get replaced. And so you go into that spring you're obviously still trying to figure your stuff out because now now it's in the NCAA's hands. You got that waiver. You got to wait for the. You got to wait for the waiver. but just as like the spring is going, how do you sort of operate? Are you operating under the assumption that you're going to come back, or are you operating under the assumption that like I'm just trying to stay fit for maybe yeah. the the pre-draft process? Like, what's that sort of like? Yeah, because I didn't get my decision until February. I don't think late February. So those first that first month, like coming back in January, was just like okay, I couldn't do everything with the team, and then. Like, I was just doing school and working out in the weight room when I could, just trying to stay nearby everybody. But, yeah, it was kind of weird. It was like, I'm either, like, feel like a creep, like, working out with the team right now, or, like, this is the team. Like, yeah, it was weird. It, it, it had to have been bizarre. And then, obviously, like, guys in the team are probably, like, trying to not – uh, trying to keep their emotions in check because they don't yeah. want to get too excited being like, oh, okay, we got another year with Cassini, we can run yeah. it back or whatever. But then, because they, they don't want to be like, oh, no, like his waiver got rejected. Yeah. And, um, but obviously, February, you get approved. That must have been exhilarating. Oh, yeah. I remember I was in the um, academic advising office when I got, when Casey came down and told me. And I just remember laying off. Yeah, I screamed really loud. Probably said some things I shouldn't have in there. But, it's a big scream running around throughout the building. Yeah, it was a good day. That that's awesome. I mean, what was what was the news? Did did you tell Flem or did Flem know before you knew? Like what was how was that conversation? So Casey came down and told me and then we walked up together to Flem. And it was just a good celebration. That that's that's yeah. awesome. And Flem, Coach Flem is a funny guy because <laughs> he doesn't seem like he has too many emotions. Or he's a guy that likes to keep himself kind of reserved. Yeah. He, let, he lets it out a little bit during oh, yeah. press conferences. He lets it out a little. He lets it out a little, but he's not a guy that like gets super emotional. Yeah. I have to imagine he was excited. No, like, he was. That that's that's awesome. <laughs> and so okay, so then now you're back. It's officially coming back for his seventh year. Just saying that must must have been weird, being like, I've been playing college football for seven, seven years. years. Yeah. Is that is that like sort of like bizarre when you think about it? Oh, it's definitely crazy because it definitely wasn't the plan coming out of high school. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody has that dream of doing three to four years and then moving on to the next step. But, yeah, I mean, I'm appreciative of the journey that has brought me on. It's led me to a different version of myself than when I came in through high school and 
I met a lot of great people along the way, so I'm definitely thankful for it, even though it kind of it sucked in some parts. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it was strenuous, but you were able to just really land on your feet and, like, build a home here. Because mm-hmm. you're adored by so many people from this university, from the community around here. So, I mean, that that must feel great to know that, like, all right, like, this is home. Like, I've, I've, found, I've landed. Like, this is this is where I am. Um, and so just kind of going through, like you hit February, hit March, the weather's getting warmer. You're starting to get like that spring ball session back. A lot of new guys are coming in. Yep. You got a lot of guys coming into the fold because I mean, Ed leaves, uh, Marcus leaves. Yeah. A number of guys on the defensive side of the ball left. So there's a lot of holes that need to be filled. Just what were your initial thoughts and reactions to some of the transfers that came in? Like, were you instantly like, or was it gradual in terms of like, all right, like this could be the team that does it? Yeah, I think it was gradual because, you know, obviously what we know now is that we brought in a lot of great people and all the young guys developed into the people we expected them to be or whatever. But, you know, you, you got to go out there and prove it. And, you know, I think everybody did a great job of working their butts off in the spring and this summer of getting to where we are now. Um, you know, you got guys like Saeed who is on – scout defense going against us every single day last year and you know he looks great this season we all expected that from him he went out there and did it and he's proven it um you know guys like Keith uh Marquise Buchanan um that we saw the talent and now he's going out there and giving us the product of it um and guys like John Irby that you know fought through tough injuries and came back um and I think it's just been exciting um getting all the new guys and just introduce them to the culture and the team that we have and, you know, the coaching staff and just getting them immersed in the community. I think all that has led to, you know, some of the success that we're having now and hopefully the success that we have going forward. And, I mean, it's been apparent that there's a lot of talent at your disposal in terms of offense. I feel like this is probably one of the more well-rounded squads that Rhode Island has seen as of recent memory. And, I mean, it even showed against Georgia State. Like Georgia State's a competitive program, but you guys were you guys were giving them a serious game yeah. throughout. And but one of the big headlines that came out of that game was just Katero Summers mm. being Katero yeah. Summers. I mean, obviously it's gonna be it's gonna take a lot to replace that relationship that you had with Ed because Ed walk on smaller sort of slot receiver guy that mm. had unbelievable speed. Your sort of relationship with him definitely helped. The performances on the field. Yeah. And then so seeing him graduate, you now have to not reform a new friendship, mm-hmm. but try and build something to of a similar standard to that. And Katero from the outside looking in seems like he's that guy now. I mean, just like what's it been like playing with Katero over the summer and then now kind of moving into these first couple games? He's really showed out and he's been mm-hmm. arguably your top receiver this year. Yeah. You know, I think the first thing about Katero is that um, we've lived together for the past two summers, so you know we see each other every single day. We talk about different things, football, outside of football. You know, I think that's made our bond stronger. But you know, with Katero, with a guy like Katero, he's very competitive. You're not going to line up face to face something that both of you guys, both the people going to go across from each other, can do, and he's just not going to let you beat him. You know, he has that mental toughness to say, "I'm putting my foot down and I'm not losing." And I think that shows up for him on the field, you know, the way that he runs routes, the way he attacks the ball. Um, yeah, he's he's just a dog. Like, Dion puts the D on the chest for dog. That's what he is. 
that's and it's really cool to see that you have a guy that's been in the program transferred in last year he had a decent year last year probably like wide receiver two three in that in that range but knowing that the pressure is on because when ed leaves you need to have someone really step up and be like all right i'm that guy i'm that one you can trust me give me the ball and i'll create stuff having that sort of guy that knows his role and Mm -hmm. executes it almost flawlessly how big of a boost is it to have someone like that you know, I think it's a big boost to the offense just because, you know, in the role that he's in and what we expect from him every single week and just the tenacity that he brings, it brings an identity to the offense within itself. And I think a lot of people feed off of it. So always a big boost having him out there. And so then taking into account others like Darius Savage, Marquise Buchanan, guys that really kind of came out of nowhere like especially for roadie fans like i myself a journalist here i didn't really know much about marquise buchanan's game mm-hmm. and then he comes in he has three receptions and two touchdowns in his first two games i remember asking coach flum about it after the stony brook game mm-hmm. and it was like where where did this kid come from and he was pleasantly surprised for for sure about marquise's work ethic and just his ability especially ability on the go routes but I mean, just from a quarterback perspective, when you've got a kid that young who's a raw, talented receiver, how is having him sort of get off the block so well so early, how big of a boost is that in terms of really molding him into a receiver that can benefit your game? I think it's a big boost. Um, You know, all of our receivers, you know, just when you have that confidence and when they have that confidence and they're going out there and playing like themselves, like, it's really tough to stop them. And, you know, I think Marquise is a good example of him getting that confidence early, especially when you're a younger guy, just because, you know, like how I had to prove it to myself, come back from injuries, he's trying to prove it to himself. And he's been out there proving it to himself. And, you know, my as I was telling you, my dad told me about Marquise when he was coming out of high school. He was like, yeah, you guys just got this kid from classical high school. Uh, I think he's going to be pretty good. I was like, classical high school in Rhode Island? And then he showed me his tape. I was like, okay, yeah, this kid, I saw him to him. Um, but, yeah, he's been balling this year. And, I mean, it showed 35-14 win over Stony Brook, mm-hmm. first home game of the year. That was an incredible atmosphere. Yeah. That was I, I was sitting in the press box watching watching that from above. You're looking down, one of the biggest crowds I've seen. At yeah. me. That was one of, like, I haven't seen a sellout crowd at URI in a very long time. That was incredible. That was awesome. And, I mean, just like. You, you talked about, like, when the ruckus gets going and everything yeah. like that. I mean, they changed the stands yeah. to get the ruckus right behind <laughs> yeah. you guys. Like, to almost to match, like, all of the, um all of, like, the publications and literature that they put out about the Ryan Center, yeah. like, all the promotion photos. They now have all the students right there. Right there. I mean, you, like, you must hear, you must be able to hear, like, almost everything that's being said out of there. Uh, you know what's crazy? I can't hear any, like... My, really? Yeah, the only people I hear in the stands... Or my parents, my little sister, and my girlfriend. That's that's the only people I hear during the games. That's fascinating. I mean, like, is it just sort of like you mentally block out everything else, and yeah. you just can hear their voice, and it's like, all right, I know, I know they're there. Yeah, I, I, that was the only four people I hear. And then, like on the field, obviously, like you hear noise, but like you don't hear like it's like static at that point. Yeah, it's like it feels more like an energy than like actual noise. Huh. That's a, that's an interesting way of that's an interesting way of putting that. I've ne- I've never really seen. You don't really get to uh, 
get that perspective yeah. when it's like because you're in a position where it's like you're playing the most important position on the field mm -hmm. so you're the one that's surveying the entire game you're surveying all of the surroundings and then that atmosphere adds to that yeah and it's an atmosphere that i mean it's it's intimidating even as a player for URI. Mm -hmm. You got to imagine like, because like we've talked about the expectations so many times yeah. today, but like you look at a crowd like that, you see 5,000 people cascading up that main mead bleachers and then you got all the other people on the other side by the Ryan Center. Just when you're on the field and you look up, like have you ever, have you ever taken a second to like take all of that in? Yeah, after, um, after Marquise's touchdown, I was like sprinting down the field and like, my mind relaxed. I didn't have to think about anything else. So I could, like, hear the noise, and I was just like, and I looked over and just looked up, and it was just like, the whole place is going crazy. And I'm just like, whew, this is insane. Yeah, it's it's so cool to just be able to see that, and, like, the photos that you get, like, it's just unbelievable. And then yeah. that's the culture that's here. That's yeah. the culture that I feel like has been completely reignited by you, by Flem, by all of the players that have been here over the past couple of years and all the coaches, like there has been a complete revitalization of the football culture here. And it's it's impressive. It really is, especially for an FCS school that doesn't have that much footballing history. It's to see that many people show out for URI is incredible. And it, the game it awesome. really, it was just a Friday Night Lights game. It's yeah. not like the game really had that much meaning. Stony Brook is a team that's like competitive, yes, but it's not been one that's historically given uri or at least over the past few years giving uri that yeah. much trouble so it's it, to see everyone show out for a game like that was really cool so then ahead of the bryant game tomorrow you've mm. had two other games you go up to maine you win up in maine another game where it was like it's another one you're expected to win that yeah more or less like a routine one then you play your first nationally ranked fcs opponent in villanova mm -hmm. that game did not go well yeah it did not so, go well. suffice to say it did not go yeah. well at all i mean just like without going into like too much of just like individual like crazy performances stuff mm -hmm. like that. I mean, what do you think? What were factors that court, uh, sort of just compounded that result? I mean, nine thirty five is not one that yeah. you're going to want to look back fondly on. Yeah, no credit to them. Uh, they went out there and executed on the given day, and you know, whooped us. Um, you know, we got to take that. But you know, I just feel like we never really played our game. Like we never. Like, that's not who we are as a team. Um, but yeah, we never got into a rhythm of what we wanted to do, and you know, it was just a tough loss. Loss in on offense, defense, special teams, everything. And you know, we talked about it as a team, but put it behind us and ready to move on and ready to go get a win tomorrow. I mean, yeah, you have the opportunity to bounce back tomorrow, and then you have the rest of the season to right, right off wrong. the wrongs yeah. from that. So, I mean, just... We're coming toward the end of our time, but I'm just curious, what are your expectations going forward? You're a man that really prides himself on team over everything. Mm -hmm. Like Live and die by the win at Mead or wherever it is. Rhode Island needs to get a win. That's all you care about. Yeah. And just sort of going forward, knowing that the coaches are acclimated, knowing that the transfers are acclimated, knowing that everything seems to be gelling, what are your expectations going forward? My expectations for the team is to take it day by day. I mean, that's all control what you can control right in front of you because, I mean, that's what you have to do in the given moment. When you start looking ahead to, you know, you start looking ahead to next week, that's how you lose the week that you're in. But win every single day, 
play with effort and play for the person next to you and you know things handle themselves when we do that it's really tough to beat us and i think i know your answer to this question but are you thinking at all about any of the records that are in within reach for you at the end of the year i knew what they were before the season but not thinking about them now just trying to go win something something you can talk about during your exit interview yeah let's, and let's get the record of no playoffs since 85 done that exactly that's i think the one that fans are going to be excited for the yeah. most and i mean just one final thing seventh year this is the last ride yeah it is <laughs> Every roadie fan listening to this just shed a single tear. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, just be, be Rhode Island and beyond. Do you have an idea about what you want to do after this? Like, mm-hmm. is the NFL just is that what you want to do now? That's the goal. NFL is the goal. If NFL doesn't work out, want to get into sports media or becoming a scout GM role kind of thing. Oh, I mean, you've got all of the experience in terms of playing ability to really back all that stuff up could see yourself doing an excellent job in that Greg Olson color yeah. roll down the line. A guy that knows and knows his way around a locker room, knows his way around a bunch of different programs. But I mean, Kasim, this has been an absolute pleasure. Great. Thank you for joining me. This it's I've been so happy and privileged to have watched you play over the past two years and I'm excited to see what the rest of the season goes. Good luck tomorrow, and just good luck for the rest of the year. Thank you. Appreciate you, and thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Well, Roadie Nation, that's it for this week on Marks Remarks. We will see you back here at WRIU, same time, 3 to 4, next Friday. And I'll see you guys in the next one.